So to me, that part of sharing our experiences is huge because when you start to realize you're not the only person who's been through this, that, that's what started to give me hope. And that's why I want to share my experience because I, other people are going through it, you know, and other people feel like they're alone or no one else gets them and everyone's experience is different. But I, I just think it helps to talk about this stuff so that other people can know, like, all right, David went through this and here he is now and he's like got his feet on the ground. So, so maybe I'm going to get my feet on the ground too, you know? Might get my dog barking in the background. He's got a big bark, but uh, just a heads up. Oh, good. What kind of dog is it? Mac is mostly pit bull. A little bit of bulldog in there. He just had a procedure yesterday. So Mac's a rescue, and I got him about a year and a half ago. Okay. So he's somewhere around probably about five. But he had a little lump on his stomach, and I took him into the vet. And um, in some way, this probably ties into what we're going to – or what we're – here to talk about him. You know, they did a biopsy and the, the vet came back and she was like, yeah, I looked at it and, um, you know, there are some cells that concern me, so we should probably have it removed and tested. And, and so she's telling me this and she was like, I'm really, you know, sorry to bring up the C word. And I just blurted out. I was like, oh yeah, my first wife had cancer, died 10 years ago. I get it. Like, and it was so like, it, I could tell the look on her face. She was a little shocked. Like she didn't expect that to come from me. And in, in some ways, maybe it it didn't, but it, it did in a sense where it was like, after you, as I'm sure you can relate to, I think when you have an experience like that, when those things happen in the future, at least for me, I my response to that is very open and very much like, I don't know how to word this, but I was just kind of trying to say like, yeah, like I get it, these things happen and Maybe it was heavy handed in my approach, but I find that oftentimes when I share these things with people, I get that glassy eyed look. So then I just I, I kind of was like, yeah, I'm just sharing that with you. So, you know, like I get it. You're not going to say something that's going to freak me out because I've had experience in life of this type of thing. When we decided to set this up, I remember thinking how that kind of thing was probably going to come up today talking about how when you. Again, at least for me, I, I feel like you, you, you have this experience that most people can't relate to. Right. And so it's just easy to see people gloss over and, and they're like, oh, what do we do with this guy? Like, how do we deal with him? You know, and here I am talking <laughs> about my dog going to the vet. And anyways. Is it more the openness and, and then people's unsure how to react to it? Is that what you mean? I think there's that. And I think it has to do with, I mean, this was how it was after Jen was diagnosed and I, I remember we'd say to people what was going on. And I think people just, I think that most people don't know how to deal with stuff like this because we don't talk about it enough as a society. So when someone says this kind of stuff, either it hits people's fear or it's things they don't want to hear. You know, we, Jen and I were the couple that nobody wanted to be. So I think it has to do with the fact that we don't talk about this stuff as a society. So when something comes up, People don't know what to say. They don't know what they're supposed to say or what they can say or should say. And and so I think oftentimes people just kind of shut down, especially when you're talking about something like like death, you know, even though it's reality, you know, like it's going to happen to all of us. So I think people just don't, people aren't comfortable and people don't know what to say, you know? 
Yeah, and I think that kind of blends in the fact that the fact people do often push it away, and that's a big premise of this podcast, is to kind of take away the taboo-ness of the conversation. And as much as people want to push it away and kind of avoid that uncomfortable feeling from the discussion, I think that's even more of a reason to discuss it and to be open to it because when the the time comes when you're going to deal with death in your own life, and I say when because this is obviously inevitable, it's just going to make it that much harder. So the fact that, like I said, talking to someone like you who's willing to be open about it, and I like to think the same thing about myself and who knows who I would have been should I not have experienced death, but that is the that is the big one of the biggest lessons is talking about it and being open and comfortable as we can be to be able to be prepared for a situation as much as we can. So to kind of hop right into it in regards to your story, I was blown away about with your, you know, your little photo documentary, if that's the best way of saying it, with your wife and how you captured, you know, the the moments of her dealing with cancer and your own moments. So I would love to just start off with your story, however you're comfortable sharing it and you know, we'll, we'll dig into it and I'm sure I'll have plenty of questions. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I guess I'll go back a little bit to give some context. I, I grew up, I'm the, the youngest of 11 kids. And um, one of my older brothers, his name is Sam. He's a drummer. And in the, I guess it would have been the early 80s, he got his first big gig and it was with Chubby Checker. And so they came through Akron, which is where we grew up. And he brought me to the show and, you know, he sat me down in the front row and that was it, man. That was the beginning for me. Like I can still, I I, I still see him playing in my head. I just remember thinking that's what I'm doing. You know, that's it. And so I did that for a long time. I grew up playing the drums. That was it, man. That's what I was going to do with my life. And I did that for a long time. I moved to Nashville in the nineties and, and got a little burned out on it after a while. I got to a point where I didn't feel like I could express myself with the drums uh, in the way that I felt like I needed to. So I ended up getting into photography. I, I was dating a young woman who was a painter and she had a camera. It was film at that time and said, hey, why don't you try this? And it was from the beginning, it was like, oh, this is cool. You know, just everything looked so amazing through the viewfinder and I remember the sound of the shutter that first time I made a photo and thinking, okay, this is, this is the thing now. And so I, I, I really jumped into that. And, and this woman, her name is Jamie. We moved to um, New Mexico. We lived there for about a year and I was just photographing everything. I, I really was making a lot of bad photographs as, you know, <laughs> as it is when you're learning something, you know, but, but it was exciting. And I, I felt like it was that thing that, it, it was what the drums couldn't do is that I could see something that, that triggered a response in me and, and try to express what that felt like through the camera, you know? And so, so I moved back here to, to, uh, was it Cleveland about 45 minutes from where, where I grew up. And I, I went to a community college here to study photography. And as is my nature, I just dove in head first, you know, that was it. And, um, I was constantly photographing my family and, and bugging the life out of them. Um, and I knew at that point in my life, I was in probably my late twenties, having the experience I had in music, as well as seeing the success my, my older brother, Sam had, I, I knew that you, you have to work hard. You know, I knew that 
if I was going to make it as a photographer, which I didn't know how I was going to do that, I, I did know that I, I really needed to, to put the work in. And so I was very serious in, in this community college. And I, at the, at the time I had dreadlocks and, uh, I scared a lot of people because of how serious I was, but I just knew it was like, this is it, you know, this is, this is that feeling I'd been looking for my entire life. And so I was doing that. And then I, I joined another band that I, I had been photographing them and their, their live shows for a while and their drummer bailed and I joined the band and we ended up signing a record deal with, um, it was on Joan Jett's label. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was great. It was a great time. And so I didn't finish my degree. It was like, forget that, you know, this is, this is going to be too much fun. And I was still making photos, but, but during that time, you know, when I was in school, I kept thinking, I, I want to make photographs that make people think just the same way as, as people that I admired did things that got me to think my own thoughts, basically, you know, whether it was the, the musicians that I appreciated or the photographers that I was into. And so I wasn't interested in making still lifes or photographing, say, food or products. I wanted to photograph people and I wanted to somehow tell stories. And around that time when I was playing in the band, it's when I met Jen. She was bartending and um, I applied to this restaurant to get a job and just really from the beginning, I, I, mean, I it was love at first sight for me. You know, I, I saw her and just thought at that point, I had nothing going for myself, but I knew I was going to marry her, you know? And, and so we became friends and then Jen moved to New York. She got a job and we kept in touch. And whenever I'd go there to visit my brother or to play shows, I'd always see Jen, but I couldn't, I didn't have the guts to tell her how I felt. And I finally did after a few months and she said she had felt the same way. And so we started dating long distance and did that for a while. And then I left the band and it was kind of like, well, there's no point in me staying in Cleveland. You know, I'm going to marry Jen. I know that. So I'm going to move to New York. And so I pretty much, you know, I, I sold almost everything and I, I moved to New York with my cameras and my cats and I, I had an engagement ring and I proposed the night I got to town, you know, so at that point in life, I was uh, early 30s, you know, still trying to figure out what I was going to do. I didn't know if it was music. I didn't know if it was photography, but I remember just I was happy. You know, I had just moved to New York and, and Jen said yes, you know, and that was really it. You know, I'd never felt that in my life. You know, it was like, I don't know about everything else that's going on, but if, if I'm with her, then everything's going to be cool. So then we got married and that was 2007. And, you know, it's, it's that thing, all of a sudden, the world's your oyster, you're going to start your life now, you know, and we had all these ideas about what we were going to do. And then five months later, Jen was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, you know, I, I, I still remember that phone call from her and how all of a sudden, there was just this numbness hearing those words. And then all of a sudden, our life became cancer, you know, like, we're this young couple and we had a really solid relationship, uh, thankfully, because all of a sudden we had to really, we had to deal with some things, you know, and, and, and thankfully our, our, our communication was solid and we were able to like, we just were able to work through things. But all of a sudden we're thinking about, should Jen have a double mastectomy? What kind of cancer treatment should she have? Like what surgeon, you know, all these things that it's just, you know, you think about the medical side of it and you have doctors who study for however many years 
and they don't understand cancer, but they study long enough to try to understand this stuff. And then all of a sudden we're in this world and we have to make these really serious decisions. You know, it's buying a house is a serious decision, but trying to decide what kind of chemotherapy, that's a serious decision, you know? So we went through the first uh, round of treatment and Jen had a double mastectomy. She had chemo and radiation and reconstructive surgery. And, you know, our first anniversary was right after she finished this, you know? And so everything I thought I knew, it was just turned upside down, you know, and, and, and everything was questioned. It was like, well, I used to think this, but then this happened. So, and thankfully during that, that first year, we had a lot of support from family and friends and, you know, people came together. It was amazing. I, I don't know how we would have gotten through that first year without that, you know, but, and this is kind of maybe a precursor to things to come into what we're here talking about, but we noticed that, you know, when we would tell people what was going on, people just didn't know what to say to us or what, what to do. And so then, you know, then we're like, we're trying to put our life back together. And we would often hear people say after Jen finished treatment, like, well, you guys should just be happy. Like the cancer has gone. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But we just had a year that was 150 miles an hour nonstop. And you're, all of a sudden your mortality is in your face, you know, and, and you're exhausted and you're also worried about, is the cancer going to come back? And for Jennifer, at any time she felt anything in her body, it's like, is it cancer? So, so we were already experiencing this thing where we appreciated what people were saying, but they didn't know, you know, it's not like you just flip a switch and all of a sudden you're okay, you know? And so we started to notice that first part of like, okay, people don't understand us. And it started to get a little frustrating because we felt like people were sort of minimizing what we had gone through. Like you should just be happy now. And, and, no offense to anyone with religious beliefs, but we heard a lot of, you know, the, oh, God's got it under control or like faith this, faith that. And we were like, yeah, but like, it's not just that, you know? So, so we kind of started feeling frustrated that people sort of, again, sort of were almost, I don't think they were doing it intentionally, but it felt like they were sort of minimizing what we went through as if we could just be happy now and we had nothing else to worry about or that Jen all of a sudden didn't have to, every time she looked in the mirror in the morning, she was reminded of what happened. So we had about like a year and a half cancer-free. And, and I had always been photographing what, you know, day-to-day life and stuff. But when Jen's cancer metastasized, it was April of 2010. You know, that was, that was her and our biggest fear, you know? Because when that happens, that's like, you're going to be on treatment the rest of your life. You know, there is no cure, you know? So we're back in that world, and this time we noticed that we didn't have that support that we did the first time. We, we did from people, but it wasn't the same thing. You know, we got a lot of, again, you know, you just got to you gotta have faith or, like, there was a lot of that. And it was frustrating because it was like, look, we can pray every day and we can have faith, but that doesn't mean that this isn't serious or that it's she's not going to die, you know? And so as things were getting crazy again, we were trying to say to people, you know, our family and friends were mostly back here in Ohio. We were trying to say, hey, shit's serious. Like send a text message and say, I love you from time to time, anything, but like, don't ignore us right now because we're freaking out. 
And so we were in the hospital. It was a, a 15 day hospital stay. And Jen's parents came to town and helped a lot. Um, her sister was there a little bit and, and my parents had reached out and stuff, but that was it. I remember thinking at one point, like we've been in the hospital almost 15 days. And other than my parents, none of my 10 brothers and sisters have sent a card. And I don't mean to sound like a, a baby, but it's like when you're going through that hell, it's like, come on, y'all, like reach out, do something like we need this. And at that point, that's when I asked Jen, I said, hey, can I start photographing what's going on? Maybe if we show these to our family and friends, they'll start to get a better idea of, again, what 15 days in a hospital is like. And so Jen said, yeah, you know, she trusted me. She knew that taking care of her was what I was doing. And, and when she was all right, then I'd, I'd make photographs, you know, so I, I didn't have any intention of sharing these. And, you know, since then, I've I've given a few TED Talks about those photos and they've been exhibited in different countries and been in magazines and they've taken on their own life. But that wasn't that wasn't the intention. At that moment, it was like we've tried talking with people. Jen had a, a blog. And in 2010, you know, around that time, it wasn't the same as it is now. Social media wasn't the way it is now. There weren't as many blogs and it was very different. But we were at wit's end. It was like it was really out of desperation and necessity to say to people, look. And it kind of helped, you know. And a friend of ours had said, maybe you should share these on Facebook because there's probably a lot of people in the world who can relate. And, and we did. And that was a really humbling experience because um, not to get ahead of things, but since then, I, I've it's helped me, you know, as someone who's widowed to get this response from people who have said, hey, I'm going through it, too, or I've been there or what you guys did affected me and my wife or whatever that response was, you know. But it was all based on the fact that, like, people just I, I know they didn't mean anything ill by it. And I, I've had years now to think about things and I understand it better. But it's just this thing of like, I think in our society, people do help. Right. But I think because we don't talk about death, we don't talk about illness, you know, like pink ribbons are great. And raising that money is really important. You know, that is super important. But if we don't if we don't talk about the reality of these things then people, you know, people would say to us, oh, hey, you know, we finally hear something from someone. Oh, I, I made a donation to so and so in your name. And it's like, that's awesome. But why wouldn't you just send a card or why wouldn't you call or like those things are important. But when you're going through that hell, you need more than that. And so so for me and for Jen, we wanted to share this stuff to say to people like, let's talk about this. And I, I feel like if we. You know, yeah, it's hard to look at some of these things. Some of the photos of Jen are really intense, but it's like, if you know somebody who's going through that, our hope was that other people would see these photos and think like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to reach out to this person or I'm going to do something. So that, that was, that's what the intention became. Because if we don't, if we don't talk about this stuff, you know, how are we going to learn? And if we don't, if we're afraid to talk about this stuff, then kind of like you said a little earlier, like, then if you're in that situation, you're blindsided, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of, that was the thing with the photos, you know, it was really, it was a necessity. And since then it's grown into something where like, I try to talk about this as much as possible because I didn't, I didn't have anybody, you know, it, it was strange being widowed at 38, you know, because I didn't have anybody my age that could relate to that. You know, I could talk to guys that were in their sixties who had 
decades of marriage and kids and it helped. But, but when I shared these, I found this other community of people all around the world who could relate. And it made me feel a little less like I'm the only person who was going through that. There's so many things to unpack there, but my question for more immediately what you spoke about and how, you know, the support system seemed to have faded a little bit. Is that a blend of, from your understanding of people just not knowing what to say at that point? Because they were supportive in the first year. So my, my thought is, I don't think it was anything of ill intent. Like you, like you mentioned regards yeah. to a different example, but you think a lot of people fell out just because I don't, maybe they don't want me there or I don't know what to say. Is that, what you, is that why do you think the support fell off? I think that's part of it. I've talked with a lot of people over the years. You know, I had a roommate that, you know, he, he was, Jen and I got married in Central Park. And so I had my oldest friend, my brother, Sam, and my other friend uh, stand up there as my best men, if you will. And the one guy, he just, he fell off the face of the earth. And years later, we talked about it. And he said, I just didn't know what to say. And I get that, you know, but I also feel like you you, you got to try though, you know, like, so I think that people, they didn't know what to say. And I get also that people have their own life and, and I don't, I didn't, we didn't expect people to stop what they were doing forever for us, but it was the other extreme of things where like, we just wouldn't hear from people, you know? And so I also think when you present that type of thing, it challenges people's own beliefs and their mortality. And some people can deal with that and will deal with it. But I think a lot of people run from it, you know? And, and again, I don't think people were like, oh, we're not going to help. I don't think they made a conscious decision to not help us. I just think that people, again, like if you watch movies and television, cancer is not portrayed as the beast that it is. And so like anything, like with your experience that you went through with your dad, which I'm really sorry that you experienced that, like there's so much more that I, that I wouldn't even understand about that because I haven't been in your shoes, which is the reason why I think it's, it's great that you are sharing this because you're not the only person who's felt that. But I, I just feel like we should talk about this stuff. It's like, yeah, it might be scary, but what in life isn't scary? What, what, what worth having isn't challenging, you know? It's like, you gotta get past those fears and at least that's how I, you know, like, that's what's worked for me, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just why I respected so much what the photos that you took because it puts it out there in such a raw way and it's on a in a way that it's, it, it shows its realness because it is real. <laughs> and I, I yeah. think at the end of the day, it's just we're, we're just so fear mongered and understandably, I mean, it's 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 a scary thing, but at the same time, pushing anything away is not gonna is not going to solve anything. So that's why I could totally see why people might react negatively to what you did. I'm sure majority of people reacted positive, but I think anyone that's reacting negative to it, in my opinion, is just, it's just projection of what the hell they're dealing with, but that's a whole nother conversation. And you mentioned earlier yeah. also that you had a, you know, you and your wife, Jennifer had a really good communication level. What was the communication in the first year? Cause I can imagine that it'd be hard you tell me hard to process it all when things are moving 150 miles an hour. So I wonder if that delays any processing of it or was there opportunity to talk about it while you were going through or is there just so much focus on finding a solution? Well, so Jen and I had dated long distance for a couple of months. And again, this was 2006 and seven. So it was, you know, there wasn't FaceTime then and texting wasn't like it is now. So 
when we talked, it was on the phone and you really had to pay attention and listen. And so I think because we had that foundation at the beginning of our relationship, when we got into this situation where it was on that level of, of intensity, we were really good at just existing with each other and listening to each other and kind of feeling where things were going. Um, and, and our Jen's general practitioner, the, the woman that found the um, lump initially, had said, look, you guys are about to have a, a really, you know, things are going to get crazy for y'all. And so you just have to remember two things. One is that Jennifer is it. Like her taking care of her is it. And two, anything that gets in the way with that has to go. So we just, that was our thing. You know, it was like, this is what's going on in our life and other things. It really put a, a, a priority list together, you know, and this, this kind of grew over time, but of what mattered and what didn't. And so we did talk about some things, but it was such a state of shock uh, and, and things were happening so fast that it's not like every night we sat down and debriefed and had these long conversations, but there were moments where I, th I think we just allowed each other to just to be sad or to feel things or to listen or to whatever, or to know when it was like, let's just do something else and not talk about this. So it's been a decade since Jen passed. So I've had many thoughts and much time to think about this since then. And it, it's been since that time that I've really unpacked my feelings, but I think Jen and I just had a real, um, we were just kind to each other, you know, like we, we loved each other, um, in a way that I've never loved in my life. And we just took advantage of each second. And if that meant that we needed to like, just go for a walk, or if that meant we just needed to watch something stupid on television, whatever it meant, we just tried to do that for each other. And she, Jen was very graceful and I can't imagine what this experience would have been like if she wasn't the person that she was like, she was driving the bus, you know, and I just kind of let her lead and, and tried to listen. So, I mean, not sure if that answers your question, but we did have conversations about things, but a lot of it was kind of turned into how are we living our life? You know, like what, what matters, what doesn't. And so that, that was really more of the conversation, you know, or more of the actions we took. It was like, what are we doing each day? And, and now I think about it. Sometimes I get, I worry about dumb stuff. And I think about what life was like when Jen and I were going through that and how I just, how I was able to just let go of stuff and focus on what mattered. And, and I, I find myself trying to get back to that mindset. And sometimes I'm better at it than other times, but we were just, I remember feeling so present during that time, you know, and, and very aware of my surroundings. Like I, I was on the subway and there was a guy behind me that had a, a huge camping backpack on and the, that back and forth of the train, he kept bumping into me. And since then, I, I, you know, they have signs posted now that say, if you have a backpack on, take it off. But they didn't at that time. And I remember I was coming home from work. This was during Jen's initial treatment. And like, I was, wasn't sleeping. I was stressed out. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a violent person. I've never thrown a punch in my life. Right. But this guy keeps hitting me with his backpack. And I was just like, man, this guy has no idea what is going on in my world right now. And I just, I, 
I didn't want to explode on the guy, right? But I did want to explode because of what was going on in my life. And it was one of those moments where the pendulum of life kind of swung back. And after I thought that, my next thought was like, oh, well, that means I don't know what's going on in his life either. So like, that's what was going on for us at that time. Like, it was this idea of, wait a minute, like, you know, sometimes someone, maybe you're talking to some customer service agent on the phone and they behave a certain way. And not that it it isn't, not that that's okay, but some, it, we started to think more about like, well, what is going on in that person's world? Like, what if that person has got a cancer diagnosis, you know? So like, so we did talk about this stuff, but again, it was more like, okay, this stuff's going on. Like, let's, let's be present. Let's enjoy each second together. Let's, let's tell people we love them, you know? And that's another thing I've tried to share with all this is when someone's going through that, like, I remember sometimes you'd get a, a card in the mail or something like that. And it's like, that's what made, that's what got us through that day. You know, like we might've gotten horrible news or we're just exhausted, but someone reached out and said, Hey, I'm thinking about you guys. And it's like, the power of that is, is, is what you can't understand it until you're in those, that situation. And so I feel like if we, again, if we don't talk about this stuff and, and people are afraid to talk to somebody it's like you don't know that just something that simple can make a difference in someone's life, you know? Yeah, I think that is the like you said and I've said it's the importance of talking about. It. I think this conversation seems on the surface to only benefit and be valuable to the people that have gone through or the people that are grieving now. But one nail I'm trying to really hammer on is the value of what you're saying towards people that haven't experienced it. Cause okay. If, if you haven't experienced it personally, I'm sure, you know, someone that has experienced it like the people in your life that, you know, were supporting you or weren't, weren't as supportive as you would have liked. They didn't know what to say, but by, by, by talking about it, you're going to learn what maybe you can say or what you can do. And what I've taken from it is honestly just being there, even if, like you said, even if it was yeah. just a text or just asking them what they want or just saying, I'm here for you. And hopefully that person can see that as an opportunity to say, to tell them and be communicative of what they need. It will make it easier for everyone. So that, that is the importance of for everyone to talk about it, which I'm trying to hammer down. And like, I, I say all the time, I, I'm not saying people have to wake up and let's talk about death, but at the same time, it builds awareness and you, and you have such experiential value and you've had experiential lessons learned from as simple as that subway. Like if, if you haven't, if you didn't go through what you went through with Jennifer, uh, would you have taken that perspective of looking at what this guy's going through and realize that you're projecting onto him when it's not his fault? And so there's just so much, there's so much to unpack there. And in regards to unpacking, I want to ask you, cause you, you, you mentioned how you are, you know, now you're, you've been unpacking things after the fact. And I, I couldn't agree more on what I'm going through because I lost my dad when I was 12. So a lot of things are coming out now in my thirties. I'm asking you that, that first year, especially when, when you were going through this with Jen, Jennifer, was there anything that you don't have to tell me what it is, but were you holding things in for a reason of not wanting to put it on her? Because on the surface, it seems like, you know, okay, Jen's the one that's going through this. And obviously you are too, but I feel like it takes a, it, it, it seemingly takes a backseat off there. Not when you hear these stories that the partner of what you're going through, yeah, you know what I mean? Like she's taking a brunt of it, obviously with her health, but you as a partner are going, or it's your experience too. And you're, and you're mourning, you're grieving and going through all this internal struggle yourself, even though you're not the one with cancer. So 
And you said you also were good at letting things go. Do you think you truly let things go or do you think you pushed them to the side and that's partially stuff that you're unpacking now? Well, yeah, a lot to respond to on that. One is I agree with you that, and, and I did this, you know, I, I wanted to be Superman. You know, we were married five months and all of a sudden it was like, remember when you said till death do you part? Well, here you go. You know, like, let's see what you're made of. And so there was that part of trying to do everything. And I remember getting to a point later on, you know, a few years into the treatment where uh, thankfully, you know, we had a great uh, social worker at Sloan Kettering. That's where Jen was getting treatment. And um, she was like, she really taught me a lot about how other people, the importance of me letting other people help um, so that I would be there for Jen because I was, I was not living at an attainable pace, you know? So there was the one side of the physical part of needing to, to take care of myself. And again, like, like I said, before I met Jen, I, I, Jen was the first person that other than my parents and a few siblings who believed in me, you know? So like all of a sudden shit hits the fan in her world. I was like, okay, like I'm, like I said earlier, I'm going to be Superman. Like I'm going to do everything possible. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to whatever. So th there's, there's that side of it, of just the physical part of taking care of yourself. And there was even the thought of like, yeah, how can I complain? You know, she has cancer. And I, I know that that is a common thing that happens. And even within people, like I, I, I wasn't upset that people weren't often saying, Angela, how are you? Because I guess maybe I even played into that by trying to do everything, right? But it is really important if you're going through something like that to address these things. And, and I think if anything, Jen was, she was the one who often pushed me. She was like, you, you, you got to take care of yourself. You know, you, she felt like, Jen felt bad that I was experiencing this because of her. And so we had to establish where like, she didn't, I didn't want her to, I didn't, I wasn't mad. Like someone asked me after she passed, if I was ever mad at her. And I was like, how could I be mad at her? Like she got cancer. She didn't intentionally do this, you know, but I, I don't think that I was taking care of myself emotionally at first because I didn't know how to, you know, like I talk to a therapist twice a month now and it's the best, like where I'm at now in life has so much to do with this last year and a half of talking to my therapist among other things, but that's a huge part of it. Right. But at that time, I just, I didn't know how to talk about that stuff. I think part of it was that, you know, I, I talked about how the other people didn't want to, face this. But for me too, sometimes talking about this made it that much more real. And, and I preferred to just lower my shoulder and work through it. And at a certain point, you have to deal with that stuff because it's not going anywhere. And, I, and as Jen and I talked about this stuff, it, it helped us even more to, to be aware of what was going on and to be present, especially when, when Jen's cancer was really spreading aggressively. And, and it started to be pretty obvious that, that her time was very limited. It was like, we tried to, to get through some of this stuff. It's like, okay, let's talk about this stuff. Let's be honest. How are you feeling? This is how I'm feeling. Like, this is what this meant to be to me. And this is what I meant when I said that, okay, we're cool. Great. Let's get on. So I think I was doing a good job of letting go of certain things that didn't matter, but I definitely, it's definitely taken me some years 
to let go of some things that people did. Like when Jen passed, we, we got the news that her liver was failing and they were like, there's nothing we can do. So then on December 10th, 2011, we came home from the hospital and they set up hospice care. And it was really like, you know, I, I would, I would wake up in the morning. She, we had her hospital bed in our apartment and I slept on the couch right next to her. And I'd wake up and look at her stomach to see if she was still alive. You know, like I'd go to bed each night thinking she might not wake up tomorrow morning. And so we had 12 days before she passed. And during that time, we opened our doors up to friends and family to come, you know, say goodbye to Jen. And it was this, um, I have never experienced so much love in my life. I've never witnessed anything so powerful, but there were some people who didn't show up and it, it took me a long time to forgive them. But what I landed on years later, when you asked if I was really letting go of stuff and what I was hanging on to, I had a lot of anger at those people. You know, I was like, I don't want anything to do with them. If shit hits the fan in their life, I'll be there for them. But otherwise, I don't want to see them. But what I ended up landing on was that I felt bad because they missed out on something life changing. And whenever I talk to the people who were there during those 12 days, we talk about we to this day, we still talk about how that experience affected us. And how much better life is because of that. I'm not saying like, oh, I feel sorry for them. I'm not saying it that way. But in a way, they missed out on something. I think this ties into what you're talking about, like with this podcast. And that I think if you if you are willing to talk about this stuff and feel it and let these things challenge you, what it did for me is all of a sudden, like sometimes it's as simple as hearing a bird in the morning. And I'm like, man. I am so damn thankful to be alive. Like talking about this stuff and feeling this pain is what is, has helped me to try to live my life in a way that, yeah, I am thankful. I've, I've lived eight and a half years longer than Jen did. She was 40 when she passed and I'm 48. Like if that's not great, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know if I answered your questions on that, but I, there are things that it took me years to let go of, but it, and some things that Jen and I did address at that time, and there were some things that it was like, some things that I couldn't understand at that time, you know, like I needed time away from it to take a step and look at something and think like, it's not like I think now I understand why this happened, but I have a very different perspective 10 years later than I could have had at that time in life, you know? Well, that's it right there. For what I'm taking from what you said, and especially the people that you said you were angry at. So you had a feeling of anger and then it shifted to a feeling of, feeling bad for them in a sense. I know you didn't, not to the full extreme, but, and it, that seemed like that shift happened in a form of just literally changing your perspective. And, and you know, sometimes changing a perspective takes time and, and, you know, uh, introspective thought, but that is such a power, it's such a powerful tool of just literally changing your perspective and asking a different question. You know what I mean? And you seemed like you mm -hmm. made that realization to let go. And at least in that example of the anger you were feeling, and then the other stuff, I guess you just said that you just, you don't think it was the right time. It was just stuff that you didn't understand then that you do now. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it, for me, at least it took hindsight. It, it took time away from it. Like, you know, I, I've talked a lot about these photos and what Jen and I went through. Like I, I did those Ted talks and I have gone to different hospitals to talk to, to medical students. They've had me come in to talk about what it's like on the, 
the patient side of things. And in doing so, it's pushed me to really organize my thoughts and to think about this stuff. And in doing so, that has helped me with the healing process. Like everyone has their own way, man. And if I know some people who are like, it's done, lock and key, and they're on with their life. And if that's what someone has to do, cool. But for me, I've found that if, if I dig into this stuff, and if I share these things and meet more people who can relate, and if I talk about these things, it helps me to make my peace with them. It helps me to make something better out of it. And like, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to forget what Jen and I went through because it's what that experience is what keeps me on my feet. You know, that's, that's what keeps me going when we, we have all the craziness in the world right now, you know? And so again, everyone has their own way of, of dealing with these things. I've just tried to share what's helped for me. And that has been not, not running away from it. I, I've kind of tried to run into it and because, you know, the people that had these kind of experiences before Jen and me, they, they did things that Jen and I benefited from because there were people who were willing to share their experience or share what they had gone through. And that made life a little easier for Jen and me. So we kind of thought, well, we don't want to break that circle. Like we thought it was important to share what we went through because maybe it would affect other people. And so that's kind of what it's been like for me. I just, I knew that if I didn't try to address this stuff, I'd probably end up dead in the gutter somewhere. I just knew that. I, I knew that I couldn't bury it. And doesn't mean that it hasn't been painful at times, but I feel like talking about this stuff, it, it's led me to meeting someone like you or meeting amazing people in my life because I've been willing to, like, I've met some of the most beautiful people, the most kind people, and I've had experiences that I wouldn't have had if I didn't share this, you know, and... I know on the podcast I told you that you did that I listened to, one of the things you guys talked about was how, say, going to a support group and being around other people who have been through this, that kind of thing has been helpful to me because, as I mentioned earlier, I, Jen and I were the ones, or I've been the ones since Jen passed, where like you say something and you change the atmosphere of a room and you're that person, whether you tend, intend to or not. And so talking to other people who have been through this, it's so great to hear someone else say it. And you're like, oh, great, I'm not the one. Like other people feel this or someone someone else can say this. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. You know, like, so to me, that part of sharing our experiences is huge because when you start to realize you're not the only person who's been through this, that that's what started to give me hope that I was going to be okay. Like I remember someone telling me, a few months after Jen passed, it was an older gentleman who had lost his wife years back. And he said, hey, man, time's a great healer. And I remember thinking, you're out of your mind. <laughs> now I think about what that guy said. And it's like, it doesn't mean that there aren't still moments where I want to just curl up in a fetal position and bawl my eyes out. But right after Jen passed, that was every day. That guy sharing that with me is something that I've thought about for the last 10 years. And and. So thankfully, people did share things like that. And, and that's why I want to share my experience, because I, other people are going through it, you know, and other people feel like they're alone or no one else gets them. And everyone's experience is different. But it, I just think it helps to talk about this stuff so that other people can know, like, all right, David went through this and here he is now. And he's like got his feet on the ground. So so maybe I'm going to get my feet on the ground, too, you know. Amen. And that's the whole point of you being on here and talking. It's to hear your story, hear your process, and see that 
you're ahead of people, maybe someone that's dealing with it right now, you're kind of like the future version, like, oh, that is attainable. And the thing about time heals, I've always, you know, I believe in that too. Time does heal, but I also think it's a blend of time going by is time working on yourself. So throughout time of working on yourself and time passing that, you know, that only expedites the the healing process. Like you, you even said you went, you went towards it. And I think, you know, it's, it's just a natural, a natural thought to run away from pain and whether it's digging into the TV or doing this or that, just to kind of separate yourself from the pain you're feeling. We want to do whatever we can to submerge the pain that we feel because it's so tremendous. I mean, this, the pain of loss, it physically hurts. That's the crazy part about it. It's like a physical pain. And all we want to do is avoid it. We don't, no one wants to, we don't want to, we don't want to go through pain. That's like, that's, that's not what we do. But the the oxymoron part of it is that running towards the pain and like what you've been doing, you're, you just have such a sense of awareness of how you're feeling and, and really dissecting that and running towards the pain actually leads you out of the pain. And it's, 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 it's so, it's so contradicting, but that is the formula that I'm learning from people like you, from my own, my own pain and from the commonality of people that have gotten to a good place is feeling it. And you've said it multiple times, which I love hearing is that you've, you've allowed yourself, you guys allowed yourself to feel what you were feeling and not, and not necessarily immediately trying to fix it, but like understand it and really think. And like, I feel like, unfortunately you missed it. I feel like we just don't want to think I feel like everyone's uh, half, half, uh, brain dead these days, but that's, it's another podcast. But anyway, I think the <laughs> idea of, of just thinking, like using your brain to think and feel goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's really helped you in your process. And it seems like you're in a better place today. Like you said, I, you kind of answered my question, but you know, you're seeing a therapist and how are you, how are you feeling today? Like, are you, are you feeling better? Yeah. You know, uh, it's a step-by-step kind of thing, you know, like I do feel, I feel good. I, I feel, I'm thankful, you know, like with the craziness of the world right now, I, you know, I, I moved back to Cleveland in 2013 and I, I'm able to still make a living making photographs. And so I'm thankful that that's something I can do, that I, I can make a living doing something that I love. And that, that came from a couple of things, but mostly because Jen was always behind me, like, Hey man, I believe in you. Like she, even before she was diagnosed, Jen was like, you got to you got to follow your passion in life. You know, it, she just always talked about the importance of loving what you do or finding things you love in your life. And then after Jen went through that, for me, it was really like, all right, I don't know what the future holds, but this is what I'm going to do. And, and if I don't do it, I'm going to die trying, you know, like I, I'm not going to give up. And so for me, this many years later to be making a living, doing something I love and to be healthy and to have a couple of close people in my life, I think that that's really special. And that's not something that I think, that's not a way that I thought before Jen and I went through this. So I have my ups and downs. I think like anybody, when you look at the world today, because it is crazy, but I do my best to like, I wake up in the morning, my dog's looking at me and he's happy because he's a dog and and that's how I'm (laughs) starting my day, you know? And so don't get me wrong. I have my moments, you know, Cleveland winter can be brutal and a lot of gray skies. And and some days I'm like, man, I just don't even want to, but I just do my best to get through it, you know? And, and we kind of, you kind of mentioned this earlier, like the, I do think it's important to feel things, you know, like it can be painful and you got to do it a step at a time. And sometimes like, yeah, sometimes I'm watching it, you know, like I love watching like Will Ferrell movies or some of these movies that are just like, (laughs) It's just all of, like, I, you can just tune everything out and laugh. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's like, I, I do give myself that time to just 
to not be serious because I tend to be a serious person. But like, I think it is important to feel things because this experience with Jen, I started a nonprofit after she passed and I provide a little financial assistance to patients who are getting treatment from cancer because people did that for us. And Jen's legacy has turned into this thing that has affected other people. I, I receive emails from, from time to time from people who are going through treatment who are like, hey, I show these to my family and they're starting to get it a little more. So if I hadn't jumped into that, it's not that this makes it okay that Jen died and went through this. That's not it at all. But she she did die and she went through this and I can't do anything about that. But by sharing our experience, it's created something in the world that is is helping people and affecting people. And that's what I talked about earlier when I was in photo school. And I was like, I want to make photos that mean something. And, and I, it's like, you got to be careful what you wish for, right? But but I, I've had this opportunity, no matter what else I do in my career as a photographer, that I've made some photos that have affected people. And before I met Jen, something like that wasn't enough for me to be like, okay, man, cool. But now it, it is that thing. Like, I, obviously I want to keep doing this, but, but I've gotten to do this. You know what I mean? And, and so that, that whole perspective, that's, that's the perspective I've just really tried to work on in these last 10 years is, is, being present and being aware of what I do have and not waiting, man. Like you don't, you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You got to think about the future. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be 85 years old bagging groceries because I didn't save any money. But at the same time, like, again, with everything that's going on in the world, there, there's so much craziness. I just find it's really important to, for me to find these little moments. And, and that is this, gift that Jennifer gave me of, of waking up, you know, and, and being aware. And so, so I, I'm thankful, man, 10 years out, you know, it's still crazy. It still feels like it just happened. I, I still have moments where I'm like, what the, I can't believe it happened, you know, but I'm, yeah, I'm thankful, man. I get up each morning and I do my best and I give myself grace. If I stumble, you know, I try to, I try to beat myself up and I, Again, try to be aware of of the the great moments like this conversation and how cool this is. That that of all the things that in my life have happened, I, I'm getting to do this right now, and and that helps with all the other stuff. You know, being aware of of the good. Yeah, man the uh, the awareness is a really big factor, and I think that's what comes with it. I mean, the awareness to realize that there are gifts that come with this, as uh, as crazy as it is. You know, you, you've the work that you you put together that you guys did with the photos. I mean, it wasn't by accident that it, and it turned out to be as big as it was and that's going to last forever. And you, you know, it's, it's through yeah. what you went through. It's like you're bearing the cross. You're helping other people through what you went through. So the, again, the awareness to realize that there are gifts that come with this is a, is a major perspective switch. And that, that change of perspective perspective can do a great bit of healing. And also the awareness that you make a drinking game out of how many times I'm saying awareness right now, but the awareness <laughs> of, uh, this stuff happens <laughs> and it's not going to, it's not just going to dissipate. No matter how much healing you can do, you're going to have, it's going to be for the rest of your life. There's going to be, there's going to be bumps. It's life. That's what it is. It's, like, it's not going to be perfect every time. It's really the discipline and the ability to get over it quicker. I feel like, you know what I mean? I mean maybe five years ago, X would have happened and all of a sudden you might be, it might ruin your day, but now maybe fast forward another five years, X, uh, this bump happens. Then you know what? Maybe you get over it in 10 minutes or make it over it in 30 seconds because you have the awareness now and the ability to 
to deal with it. And I think that's part of the growth is realizing that, you know, obstacles are not going to stop, but it's our choice and our ability to see it, let it go and deal with it with more grace. So I think there's a lot of lessons learned. Yeah. You know, my, um, my brother, Sam, that I told you about, he and his wife, uh, Georgia live in Harlem. And so while we were going through this, they were there a lot. And Sam was there, you know, when Jen passed, he was there in the room. And um, there've been a lot of times over these last couple of years when he and I have been talking and, you know, for me growing up the last of 11 kids, it was always like, ask your older brother, ask your older sister. Like there was a lot of someone else, like let the adults take care of it, you know, and that's created whatever it's created in me, right? And so sometimes I tend to always feel, I still sometimes feel like a 15 year old kid, right? But Sam has told me so many times when we've been talking about this challenge or that challenge, if I'm talking about something, oh, work's been slow or this just happened or whatever. And he'll just say like, man, Angelo, remember what you and Jen went through. He's like, you know, you're you're a grown man. Like you can handle this. And I think that that's every now and then I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, like compared to what Jen and I went through, this is not a challenge at all. I'll be fine. And it's it's kind of like you said, it's that thing of it's the reminder to me of I've faced more difficult times than work being slow or whatever might be going on. And even, you know, with the pandemic, it during that time, I feel like having gone through an extended period of trauma or a traumatic experience, I think that it helped me throughout the pandemic to have had that experience. It's not that it was easy or whatever, but it was like, okay, again, like I remember times of craziness where we, you know, Jen would have a certain, she'd be taking all these different medications or whatever it was, and we'd go get a test and it turns out the cancer had spread. So just like that, our life got turned upside down again and we had to start over from scratch. And like, so I've, I've experienced those things in life where the unknown is right there. And craziness is all around you. And you had to be like, all right, I'm going to take care of these things. And so, you know, like I remember um, when Jen had her mastectomy, uh, we were waiting, you know, it was a couple hour procedure and, and Jen's parents were there, her sister and my brother, Sam, and my sister, Marianne had come to town. And uh, I remember when they called out, they said, Mr. Marandino, and I kind of sat there for a second and I, I expected my brother to stand up and they said it again. And I was like, oh shit, I'm Mr. Marandino. And it was just this, <laughs> you know? And so I try to remember that. And I feel like that's the thing. Like, yes, I would trade all of this for Jen to have not gone through this, but it happened. And so if I sit here and, and if I just dwell on, it's not that I'm bearing it. Trust me, again, I feel those things and I deal with them, but but I have to find the good that comes out of this. And I remember recognizing that about, about a year, year and a half after Jen passed, I remember having that thought where I was like, I felt like I was letting myself be a victim. You know, it, I was becoming the identity of that guy whose wife died. And it was so easy to do that. And I was like, I just remember kind of shaking my own head saying like, dude, don't. You know, like, don't, don't let it become that. Like there's, there's more to take from this that is like, is going to be healthy towards the future, you know? And again, everyone has their own way of doing it. And if something works for somebody, cool. But for me, it was that, that digging into it. And at times just 
feeling that that like you had mentioned earlier, like a physical pain, like a gut wrenching thing, you know, like that's just helped me to have perspective and to move forward, you know? Well, yeah. Ultimately, I, th- I think we need to, as much as external factors can, can mess us up. Uh, I just, I just really believe we have way more of a choice in it than we think. And ultimately that's the choices of how we feel as hard as it may seem. It might take some time. It's going to take some lessons, but and I know I, I used to hate when people say it to me, you have like a like choose to do this, like choose to feel this way, choose to feel this way when this is happening. But I, I've come to learn that it really is a choice and the way you look at it and the way you uh the way you process it is ultimately a, a choice that you make, but it's gonna take time to figure that out. And I'm glad that you're you've figured it out and you are figuring it out and you know you're in a better place and that you're spreading a message that you're doing now. You know, your TED talks were amazing. Your the photos that you took were phenomenal and I'm it's like I said, no surprise that the world's seen it like that. So I can't wait to share it a little further, but Angela, I want to thank you for sharing this conversation with me. I know we don't know any, uh, each other that well, but moving forward, I want to tell you now, if like you said, there's support groups help and communicating with people that have experienced it. If you ever want to chop it up with no recording, I'm happy to, to be a resource email, phone call, seriously, just like, I know we have different experiences, but there is that that there is that commonality, like we said, with support groups or that have someone who's experienced death, no matter whether it's here or there, there is, there is that common ground that, you know, I think, uh, I've always felt a bond with people that have experienced it, not to separate my, ourselves from anyone else, but I think, you know what I mean? So thank you again, man. Yeah. Likewise, the same way, man. And just if I had one more thing that you just said that like, um, I do feel like what this experience has done for me is that it's made me a more empathetic person to where, like you said, I can't relate to what you went through at all, but I can relate to having an experience that just turns everything upside down. And I feel like it's made it easier for me to just to understand, like, you know what, M- maybe I can just listen to David. Maybe he just needs to talk or whatever. So yeah, I feel like you have that common thing where you just get something differently and it's not a better or worse, or like you said, it's not differentiating people, but I've found that it has made that connection with people where you just it's like, yeah, okay. You know, we, we, you have those stripes, I guess. And, and I find that it's been great to be able to talk to people, whether they've gone through cancer or whether their experience is like mine or not, because there's, to me, there's just this appreciation. And that's why I mentioned earlier, I, I've had all these wonderful people come into my orbit that have made my life better. And friendships have come from this. You know what I mean? That, because we had this thing in common and we shared it. And then next thing you know, it's like you're hanging out with somebody or you have somebody to call, you have somebody to call and say, Hey man, you got a minute. I just need to bounce something, you know? And that that's, yeah, that's been a gift. Yeah. It's, it's once again, it's cool. when I talk to people I haven't you know met in person like you, because also it kind of gives a, a separation of the circle in our life. And it's kind of sometimes good to speak to someone that doesn't know the friends or family and this or that, and kind of has an outside perspective on things yeah. at the same time. But um, like you said, there is a commonality besides the fact that we both have vowels at the end of our last name. So that's a good one too. Um, <laughs> but outside the only of that, reason man, I answered your email. Yeah, I, I figured. I should have led with Ferrugio David instead of David Ferrugio. But <laughs> thank you again. It was a real pleasure to talk to you and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch, right? That sounds great. Thanks again, David. Have a good one.